here to sugarcoat I'm sorry about you Too much shelter causes pain Let's just be real honest Things are gonna knock you down Avoidance will not help you out Let's talk it through you, me and you Let's keep it real honest Welcome back to The Real Honest Podcast, where we have candid conversations about various life topics every Wednesday at 6 a.m. I keep saying we, but it's really just me, and this is focused for people in their 20s and 30s, but it's on the internet, so whoever feels like listening, welcome. Hello. Thanks for joining, listening, whatever you want to call it. Today, I'm going to do a sermon discussion episode, which before the non-Christians turn this off, I do want to give a quick aside and just let you know that like, I am not interested in converting people. That's not what I'm here for. That's not what I'm using this platform for. I do not subscribe to the belief that everybody on this planet needs to share my beliefs or believe what I believe. I do think that there is something that can be learned from what other people believe and the way that other people do life. I think it's perfectly possible to hear a sermon or a message or a podcast or watch a movie or whatever and take something away from it, even if you don't subscribe to the fundamental belief that the message or the the work overall was created in. My church has a women's event every year. And for the past couple of years, I've hosted an online watch party for my e-group. And this is the first year that I'm going to try to host an in-person event because I have a friend that wanted to co-host an in-person event. So she and I were seeing like if there were enough people between us that we could reach out to to come to this thing. And as you all know, my whole life is online. Like I work from home. I church from home. I volunteer with my sorority from home. Like most of my friends are in other states and countries. So I don't get out a whole lot and I don't have a whole lot of friends that live close enough to see in person on a regular basis. So I was kind of just reaching out to all of the friends that I have in the area. And one girl that I invited responded, she was very nice, but she responded and said, thanks so much for inviting me. I'm an atheist, but I hope you have a great night of worship. And the first thing that's interesting is like reflect is the event that my church has for women. It's not a night of worship. It's a, um, I think we might open with worship, but it's a regular, like, two, three song set. And then, um, our pastor does a sermon. And then other than that, it's just like women hanging out and talking. And it's, it's only like a 40 minute sermon, which I, I put all this information in the thing where I said, like, you know, there's going to be like a 40 minute teaching, but outside of that, I'm just having a girl's night. Like we're going to eat snacks and talk and hang out. Um, but just like FYI, this is part of it. So, and that's going to start at seven. So if you would rather show up at eight when that's over and just participate in the girls night piece, like feel free. And so I just, I found her response interesting, first of all, because I know that she's an atheist and I thought it was interesting that she either thought that I forgot that or thought that I didn't know that about her, but second, that she would call it a night of worship because it's definitely not one. It's a totally different thing. But I didn't bother to explain it to her because I was like, okay, for somebody that like her definition of she probably thinks like any church event is a night of worship. And her definition of night of worship is very different than my definition of night of worship. So I was like, I don't know that it's going to be helpful to like explain this to her. It got me thinking like, is inviting an atheist to a church thing? Like, do they receive that in the same way? that a Christian might receive being invited to like a seance or 
some type of like devil worshiper ceremony. Is that, is that even a thing? I'm sure it's a thing. I'm curious. Like I wonder, and she didn't seem offended by being invited. She was very politely like, thank you for inviting me, but no. And I just left it at that. You know, I have no interest in changing her mind or trying to force her to come or anything like that. I just, I thought it was interesting because if I have friends that are other religions and I visit them and they're going to mass or whatever they usually do on Friday night or Saturday or Sunday, like I'm with them and they're like, feel free to come with me or feel free to sit at my house. Like I have nothing against going with them for, to have a new experience, to learn something, you know, whatever it is. And I think that it's perfectly possible to go through the experience without compromising my own beliefs and without subscribing to theirs or trying to force them to. I don't know. I just feel like if my friend was a different religion than me and they were like, I'm having some people over, we are going to watch this teaching from my church. Um, or, you know, if they don't call it a church, whatever their religion is, I feel like I would go to hang out with the girls and maybe I would learn something from a thing, or maybe I would be totally bored, but I'm just like an hour is an hour. Like at least it's not, you know, if they told me it's going to be like a four hour teaching, I'd be like, nah, I'm out. (laughs) I want to say if it was like a devil worshiping hour teaching, I wouldn't go, but honestly, I think I still would just to learn about it and like see what it's like i love a horror movie so i don't i i think it would be interesting i know that there are christians on this planet who they are interested in converting people and they believe that their purpose on earth is to make sure that everyone on the planet subscribes to their beliefs and i know that there are churches that do that so For the people that I've met in my life and that I've had conversations with, usually people that identify as atheist had a really bad experience with a person that claims to be a Christian or a really bad experience with a church. Because at least from people that I know and have had conversations with, people that like were just kind of raised without religion, like their parents weren't necessarily for or against it. They just didn't they never went to church and the kids grew up and they're like, I never went to church. I don't really see a point in it. I don't feel like I'm missing anything. You know, I don't really care if maybe God's real, maybe God's not, doesn't really matter. Like my life is fine. I'm good. Those people are usually more in the agnostic camp. So I, it did make me curious of just like, you know, what happened there, not from a perspective of like, there's anything wrong with her being an atheist or that she can't be. We've just never had a conversation about like what led to that identification for her. Um, so maybe we will one day, I don't know. It also kind of reminded me of like, I know a lot of Christians that think yoga is of the devil and that certain yoga postures open you up to control by other gods, which I personally just don't believe that. I feel like if I do yoga for exercise and to stretch, and I feel like because of my personal relationship with Jesus, like I can meditate and I can actively be praying to God during my meditation and not be praying to some other God that I don't know. And I don't think that me sitting in lotus pose is suddenly closing my connection to God and opening a connection to some other God that I don't believe in. Anything's possible, (laughs) but... I just kind of, it feels to me extreme where like if, if you totally don't believe in God and you come to church with me and we say a prayer 
and everybody says amen and you're kind of in the room observing during the prayer you're not thinking about god you're just looking around like what's wrong with these people you think everyone's crazy i don't feel like you prayed i don't feel like you are suddenly a christian because you stood in a church for a couple hours and because you observed a prayer like if you are not open to praying if you're not open to having a conversation with god then you didn't have one right like all you did was stand in the room and watch people pray so super long intro today but i just say all of that to say i really enjoyed the sermon this morning and i think there's a lot that can be gleaned from it that's helpful to people so as i go through the discussion i will try to pull out some things that i think can be applicable whether or not you are a believer Okay, so the sermon this week was called Come Out of the Cave. Our guest speaker was Daniel Floyd, and he talked about how we shrink our thinking and shrink our dreams when pressure gets put on us. And he said that pressure will either refine you or it will define you. So think about how pressure is necessary to create diamonds, but pressure also crushes things. The way that I apply this to my own life is really thinking about what have I been pressured into giving up, like either by an outside force or by my own mind. And the answer is kind of literally everything. Like I think about all of the hopes and dreams that I had as a kid where like I wanted to be a singer and a dancer. I wanted to be a pop star and an author and a showrunner. And I wanted to be an actress and just like all this stuff that I wanted to do that I couldn't figure out how to do. And when I was in college trying to figure it out, I mean, I think the first thing really is that I shouldn't have gone to college, but my dad was very like, you guys are going to college. Like there's not another path. Like this is, this is what people do. Like you finish high school, you go to college, you get a degree, you get a job, you get married, you have babies. Like that's just life. And imagine how shocked I was to turn 30 years old this year and not have a husband or a prospect of a husband or a baby on the horizon, not even want one. Like, it's just, it's crazy that we try to put people in these boxes when that is not how life works. So I remember when I was in high school and college and I was talking about all of these big hopes and dreams that I had. And my freshman year, I was studying music and my dad was like, I mean, you can like play guitar on the side of the road and try to get discovered for free. Like, I don't need to be paying this much for a degree for you to study music. Like, what are you going to do with that? And... I don't think that my dad was ever trying to crush my spirit. I think this is just the way that his brain works. You know, his brain is stuck in that box of high school, college, degree, job. Like, (laughs) that's the way that it works. And I think even when my sisters graduated, like my dad called a bunch of friends and tried to help them like get interviews and get into the corporate America workforce, which I never had any interest in being a part of corporate America. Like, it's just not what I wanted to do. Um, 
I am the only creative in my family. So that's also a thing that has really stunted me along the way is just not having other creatives around me or even people that understood. I feel like my sisters accepted the path of diploma, degree, job. Like they were like, cool, that's the path, gonna follow it. And I was very like, can I get a different path? (laughs) That's not, I don't want to be on that path. And even when I would talk about like stuff that I wanted to do, my dad would always be like, well, I don't, I don't know anyone in that industry. Like I can't help you get a job there, you know? And it was just very like, he was worried about me being financially secure. Like he didn't care if I was happy or if I enjoyed what I did for a living. And it was that pursuit of security that made security and financial stability and living on my own, like that took priority over doing what I loved and like having an outlet for creativity and stuff like that. And I remember even the whole time that I was in college, people would always make these snide little comments to me because I was getting a film studies degree. I will never forget this random man like stopped me when I was at work one day in college and was like, so what are you studying? And I was like, film studies. And he said, are you going to just study it or are you going to get immersed in it? Like, what are you going to do with a film studies degree? And I didn't know this man, so I didn't care to explain to him that like you had to build a portfolio and apply to a film production degree. And I didn't have a portfolio So they told me to enter the program as film studies and then I could create the portfolio to switch to film production in my second year, which was a lie and was not a thing that I could do. And after I graduated with my film studies degree, they lessened the requirement that now anyone can apply and start as a film production major and actually learn how to make movies. But I digress. But the sermon was about not limiting yourself because God can do anything. So if you look at the world through the lens of you, or for example, my dad was looking at the world through the lens of him. How can I help my daughter get a job? How can I make sure that my daughter has a job that makes her enough money to live on her own to make sure she's not living with me? Like it was all, all of that weight he was putting on his own shoulders or my shoulders when if you truly believe that God can do anything, then you don't have to have a plan because you know that God's going to close the gap. And I think for most of us, we say that God can do anything, but we don't actually believe it. And that's why everybody has a backup or a fallback. Like my dad was very like, if you want to move to LA and try to be an actress, You can always do that later, but get your degree first so that if you go to LA and you try to be an actress and it doesn't work out, at least you have the degree to fall back on and you can always get a job instead. Whereas it didn't occur to him that the opposite could also be true. Like you can always go back to school. And I absolutely could have gone to LA and tried to be an actress first. And I could have failed 
And then I could have gone to school if that's something that I wanted to do. And of course, there's something to be said for like, as soon as you're out of your parents' house off the payroll, like you can do whatever you want. You make your own decisions. Like if you want to drop out of college and make it your own way, drop out of college. But it's also like you're taught something your whole life. And then there's that security of like, well, my parents have told me what to do my whole life. Like, I don't know how to do things on my own. And you kind of shrink back and go back to what's familiar. And I just, I was never taught the God can do anything model. I was never taught to dream big and go after the thing. And if I didn't have a full plan, if I didn't totally know how to get there, then that was okay because God could close the gap. And I feel like it's more common to get that encouragement if you're a child. Like if you're six and you say like, I want to be a princess or I want to be a police officer. No one's saying like, how are you going to do that? My favorite career stories are the ones where people are like, I didn't know how I was going to do it. I just like, I took one step and that's all I, that's as far as I could see was the next day. The point is that we so often shrink back into our metaphorical caves when things get hard. You know, you might be working on a book and you get stuck on a chapter and then you just give up as opposed to taking a break and getting back to it. Or maybe it's starting a business. You don't even have to believe in God to apply the don't limit your thoughts thing. Like maybe to you, God doesn't exist, but you exist and you have a brain and you can let fear and anxiety stop you from pursuing your dreams. Starting that business or booking the flight going on the trip, going on the date, making the friend, whatever it is, you can psych yourself out of it. And there is a way to use the pressure that you're feeling or the fear or the anxiety or whatever is fueling you to stop. You can use that to refine you instead of letting that thing be the thing that defines you. And you can say like, okay, I'm going to pause here and rethink this. Daniel Floyd also said that to hear God's voice, you're going to have to turn down a lot of other voices, you know, whether that be a parent or a friend or a boss or social media, you know, so much of us are just sitting here scrolling through Instagram all day. And I find myself as I scroll through Instagram being like, that girl is so beautiful. That girl is on a trip. I'm never going to have money to go on a trip like that. I'm never going to be that pretty. I'm never going to be that fit. Like, it's just constant, constantly being down on myself and my abilities. And I'm like, that author is already published. So why should I get published too? Like, it, you know, it's just, it's too much work. It takes too much time. And there are so many things that I want to create and do. And just finding the time for it in itself is almost like that's the thing that stops me. And for the people that don't believe in God, um, you know, you're going to have to turn down a lot of other voices to hear your own. Like, I feel like there are a lot of people who live off of the opinions of others, whether you're looking for someone else's approval or whether you just don't want to let someone down. But if you're constantly asking other people, where they think you should go and what they think you should do and you're making your decisions based off of their answers, then you're not listening to like yourself and your heart that's 
truly telling you like what you want to do and where you want to go. He ended the sermon with what he called the hallelujah, but how, which I thought was really cute, where he said, basically, hallelujah, but how means when you listen to a sermon on Sunday morning and then you feel really charged up, but you just don't know what to do. Um, and so he said his how is effective prayer. So he said, so many of us, we pray and we want a solution, but usually when we pray, God sends a word. And then once we obey that word, God will send a solution. And too many of us are not looking for that. We're just like looking for the solution. And I've talked about this before, where like the way that you pray can affect the answer that you get in terms of like, if you, if you pray like, God, I'm looking for clarity on whether or not I should quit my job. And let's say five minutes after you pray this, you get an angry text from your boss that really pisses you off. And you are now seeing that as a direct response from God telling you to quit your job. That could totally be what's happening. But what could also be what's happening is that God needed to spend more time with you in the thing. What could also be what's happening is that you were looking for an immediate solution to your problem. So the very next thing that you encountered that was related to your problem, you took as the solution. Whereas if you spend repetitive, quiet time in prayer, God might lead you to a scripture or a mentor. Maybe you would think to have a conversation with your boss or have a conversation with your boss's boss or have a conversation with HR and spend some time really digging into why do I want to quit this job? Why am I even at this job? Like what is what is my role in this job? What is it doing for the company? What is it doing for my peers socially? What is it doing for me? And really dig into all of that before you get the answer. And so the next thing I wrote down in my notes is if you just want what you want, why are you praying? If you're just praying to bless your desires. And this is something that personally I've been praying about for a while now as I, I go through seasons where I pray a lot and seasons where I don't pray at all. And in the seasons where I don't pray at all, I'm not praying because I don't really understand prayer. I don't really understand the point of it because I feel like, okay, if God is all knowing and all powerful and God knows what I want and he knows what he wants and he knows whether or not he's going to give me what I want, then what am I asking him for? And I've had girls in my e-group say, you know, well, don't pray for things like pray for character, which yes, I, I agree. I do think that I, I find my clarity around God's responses to be clearer if I pray about my heart. Like if I ask for clarity over something, if I pray for peace rather than, you know, hey God, I would love for a thousand dollars to fall out of the sky kind of thing. I definitely think that that is a piece of this, but I also think that prayer is supposed to be a conversation. And I think prayer so often, if you imagine like, imagine that you're texting a friend and you're scrolling through the screen of your texts and it's all one color because it's just you and the friend is never responding. That's what prayer is for a lot of us. Like we don't wait to hear back from God. We're just constantly, we're dumping all of our problems or we're asking for things, but there's no 
dialogue there. And I feel like that often happens when we are just asking God to bless our desires instead of trying to learn something or change our hearts. So something that I used to pray about back when I was in a toxic relationship is I would constantly be like, okay, God, if this is not the relationship for me, do not let him text me tomorrow. Like if he texts me tomorrow, that means that you bless this relationship and you want us together. And (laughs) at the end of the day, we have to remember that God gives us free will. So when I prayed that prayer, God knew and I knew that I was going to keep talking to that man regardless. Also, God knew and I knew that that man was going to text me the next day. (laughs) Like, so I wasn't really praying about anything except like I wanted God to bless the toxicity and let it continue. And God was like, that is what you want right now above all else. That is what you're going to do regardless of what I say to you. So go do it. You think you know better. You think you know what you want. Bless you, my child. (laughs) I'll be here (laughs) when you're ready. And also that kind of prayer isn't a dialogue, you know, where a, a dialogue prayer would be more me going to God and saying, why do I want this? I'm miserable, but I'm in love and love isn't supposed to make me miserable. And then God might say, okay, so what is love then? If you think that you're currently in love and miserable, and those are contradictory things, let's look at what love is. And that's when I would go to, what is it, 1 Corinthians and um, and do my study about what love is. And I would go back to God and I'd be like, okay, here's what I believe love to be. And then God might say like, okay, so are you in love? Which could totally be yes. Is he in love? Are you treating each other with love? Um, and then through, you know, that it continues back and forth like this until I get to a place where I'm like, this is not what I want. This is not serving me. This is not healthy. I don't like it. And then I can talk to God about how to get out of it for people that do not believe in God. (laughs) Sorry that the prayer segment was a little long, but I guess for you, the takeaway could just be how you talk to yourself and how you talk to your friends. Like don't just dump your emotions on your friends and not give them time to get a breath in or get a word in and recognize when you are going to a friend genuinely seeking their advice and when you just need to vent. Recognize that so that you can go into the conversation saying, hey, I don't want any advice. I've already decided what I'm going to do. I just I just want to vent and I just really want you to listen to me. And then great, you know, we can sit here and listen to you. Moving into the hard conversation of the week. Um, For me, I think this week it was part of my e-group discussion. Because I lead a 20s and 30s group, like romantic relationships come up frequently. Like almost always that's what somebody is struggling with and working through. And it's a really difficult balance for me as the leader of the group who has been single for eight years and I think that I'm going to be single for the foreseeable future when I have people in my group that are in relationships where they're struggling and like wanting us to pray for the relationship I feel like my 
comfort and security and being single and my irritation around the pedestal that church puts marriage and family on, I feel like that often comes across to people as I am depressed and angry and don't want anyone to be happy and I'm just trying to make everybody be single forever, which is absolutely not true. But I feel like I'm not great at conveying that all the time. So I feel like during my e-group this week, like a couple of the girls were having relationship issues that they had shared. And, you know, I just kind of was sitting there feeling like... (laughs) why are you dating this person? Like this person is clearly not helping and not making things better for you. And like you're spending more time in the word and you're getting closer to God and that's great. But if your partner isn't, maybe that's not the partner for you. And one of the girls was like, all of us like talking about our relationship problems is going to, is just encouraging Stam to stay single forever. And it's, you know, it's stuff like that where I, I just want that to not be part of the conversation. Saying that, You sharing with me any struggles in your romantic relationship encourages me to stay single. That implies that single or coupled is better. It it implies that one of them is preferred and that the relationship is preferred and that you should only share the positive parts of it with me because sharing the negative parts of it with me encourages me to stay single, which is bad. Or it implies that single is preferred. And by acknowledging the negative parts of being in a relationship, that should make you get out of your relationship and want to be single because that's better. When neither of those are the message that I'm trying to convey. Like the message that I'm trying to convey is that single is a way to live life and married is a way to live life. And Many single people date. You can be a single person who is dating in search of a spouse. And you can be a single person who is dating just because you like dating and you want to be in a relationship, but you don't want to get married. And that's okay too. Like all I'm trying to say is that there are different ways to live life. Just like you can go to college or you cannot. You can work in corporate America or you cannot. You can live alone or you can have roommates your entire life and all of it is okay. None of it is better or worse. I think if there's something that you want, you should pursue it. Like if you have always had a roommate because you have never had the financial ability to live alone and you desire living alone, then I think that you should get a financial planner and make a plan so that you can live alone and have that experience. But if you've had roommates forever by choice and you like having roommates and you don't want to live alone, then there's nothing wrong with you never living alone. Like I just want society to get to a place where everyone is acknowledging that we are all different and that is a good thing and it is okay. And we are not all pursuing the same thing and we should not all be pursuing the same thing because that's not helpful. 
So I guess I kind of went on a tangent there and got off of the hard conversation of the week, but I did text a few of the people in my group that are in relationships after my e-group just to clarify, like, I want to make sure you understand that like, I am not angry and I'm not telling you to dump your boyfriend. And I don't think it's terrible that you are in a relationship. Like I do not hate all men. Like I just really want to be clear about that and make sure that that's not what you were receiving from what I was trying to convey because that's not what I was trying to convey. My movie recommendation of the week is the Divergent series. I just recently rewatched these and I really enjoyed them a lot. I loved these when they first came out. Uh, I was in that camp of people that like loved, you know, all the books, but the ending of the last one. But I really enjoy the movies. I think they're really interesting One of the cool things about it is that the author of the books, Veronica Roth, she was trying to write about a utopia and then it became a dystopia. So for those that don't know, like Divergent is a futuristic world where like society is separated into five factions, which are, what is it? Abnegation, Amity, Erudite, Dauntless, and Candor. And... Essentially, you're either completely selfless, you are all about peace and love and nonviolent, you are brave, you are honest, or you're super intelligent. And there's like a test that everybody takes and it puts them one of these things. And I just thought it was interesting because it's kind of the same way that like when Harry Potter came out and they start all the sorting quizzes, like everybody wanted to be Gryffindor because Harry was Gryffindor. And I feel like Everybody wanted to be Dauntless because Triss chooses Dauntless in the first Divergent movie. Um, And I remember like Divergent came out when I was studying abroad in London. So my friends and I got to go through like the Divergent games. And I'm pretty sure we all chose Dauntless and got like fake tattoos and stuff. And it was so funny because rewatching the movie as an adult, I'm like, oh my gosh, I would never choose Dauntless. Like these people are jumping off trains and jumping into random holes they find in buildings. (laughs) Like I would be dead after like a week of joining Dauntless. I would thousand percent be in candor. I have, I need to go back and look at, cause the set of the books that I have comes with a little quiz. I need to go back and see what my answers were when I was, how old would I have been? Like 19 or 20 when this came out? Cause that would be funny. Anyways, I think they're very fun movies that are, it's just a very interesting world and a very interesting story. Um, obviously the last one goes south cause it was supposed to be two movies and the second one never happened. And People were so angry about the ending of the last book that they totally changed the movie. And it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. (laughs) Finished that one with a lot of questions, but I still like enjoyed watching it. I mean, Shailene Woodley is fantastic. So if anything, you at least get a great performance by her. Things are gonna knock you down. Avoidance will not help you out. It's talking through you, me and you. Let's keep it real honest. 